Alright folks, welcome back into Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night, well, Friday morning for me, because late game, obviously I'm at the arena, I, I try to get back, and I try to do my job first as, as a media member, and stick around for the quotes and whatnot, and I come back and I take a little bit of time to uh, check in on things and then rewatch a little bit of the clips. Uh, but this was a game that you want to take your time. This was a game you want to rewatch a little bit because, my gosh, uh, the Nuggets just dropped 140 points over the Portland Trailblazers. Final score, 140-108, a 32-point blowout win in which the Nuggets won the second half for the first time since December 4th against the New York Knicks. That is a long time. That is a, a significant amount of time. Uh, and I, I'm not surprised. Based off of how Denver has played, based off of last game, you knew that would be a major point of emphasis going into the game. And the great thing about a game like tonight is that it just adds on to the great work that you did in the first half, too, where Denver scored 41 points in the first quarter, 31 in the second quarter, winning both. They had a, a double-digit lead, a 17-point lead, I'm pretty sure, heading into the third quarter. And people were wondering, okay, how's this going to go? What, How are the starters going to respond? And it was wavering a little bit. They they were up, and then they were down, and then they are up, and then they were down for a little bit. And then they just sort of took hold when, at the end of the third quarter, uh, the bench got back into it. They got into their rhythm once again. And then in the fourth quarter, this this bench unit was just fantastic. And I want to give them a major shout out, led by Faku Campazzo, uh, plus 21 tonight in the plus minus as everybody wants to chide me on Twitter. Uh, but he was great. He was fantastic. want to start with the starters, though, um, because that's how I normally do things here. I go with the starters, then I go with the bench in the second segment, and then we'll go kind of tying up loose ends in the, thir- the third segment, if that sounds good to you. All right, uh, let's start with the starters. And and tonight, Jamichael Green didn't play due to personal reasons. And as a result, the Nuggets rotation was as follows. They they started Jeff Green. Will Barton was back into the lineup. And then when the, the normal rotations kind of kick into effect and Jeff Green was the player that staggered with the second units. And it clearly, it was the right call. Clearly, the Nuggets knew what they had to do in order to get a win tonight, and I'm glad that they went to that. And uh, But starting with the starters, Jeff Green, fantastic. Uh, he looked good both with the starting and second units, uh, but particularly with Jokic. Uh, Denver, they, they really emphasized getting out onto the fast break to start this game. And, and I actually talked about this in my piece today. Uh, that came out on denverstiffs.com. You should go read it. Uh, it's stat of the week on the shot clock and how Denver has been really inefficient on offense this year because they can't get into their sets and they're not purposeful. And when they let the shot clock run down on them, they are a much worse team. Tonight, you could see Denver getting into their sets pretty instantaneously. They weren't dawdling. They weren't walking the ball up the court. They were trying to get onto the fast break. Only had 12 fast break points tonight. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't it wasn't a perfect fast breaking game, but once you get into the half court, if you work with purpose and run your sets to a good pace, 
then the opposing team is always trying to catch up. They're always trying to figure it out. And Jeff Green, I thought, was a great example of that. He was pushing the pace really well tonight. He and Jokic actually combined for a nice give and go that got Joker a dunk. Um, And Jeff Green himself was all over the court, but especially on the offensive end where he had several dunks that he threw down. A couple were with the bench, but a couple were with the starters too. And he just likes to posterize people. It's pretty clear. That dude at 35 years old is just a monster on the interior. When he gets a full head of steam, there are very few people in the NBA that can go toe-to-toe with him athleticism-wise. And that is incredible. And he deserves a lot of credit. 19 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Was a plus 13 in his 30 minutes. Led the team in minutes tonight. And he is a good, well, a well-enough-conditioned athlete that I think he can handle a high-minutes load. I'm a little bit worried about it if it becomes too much of a... Uh, if it becomes too much of a dependency thing where he's starting, but the bench also needs him. But clearly it worked tonight. The shots were going down for everybody, and he was a big reason why. Will Barton, uh, scary moment for Will Barton early, uh, late in the game when he was kind of his last moments, I think. Uh, he was out there and playing really well tonight. Uh, 21 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. He did miss three free throws, but let's not uh, let's not get too down. Uh, four rebounds, two assists, just one turnover. Also had a steal. Was a plus 11. Actually one of the lower plus minuses tonight, but it still felt good. It still felt like he was uh, doing the right things on the offensive end. And, and perhaps a couple day break really helped him. Perhaps all that he needed really was to just see some see a little bit of breath. Uh, after not playing in that Clippers game. And then he started driving to the rim again. He started trying to get downhill, and and he was really attacking closeouts tonight. Another emphasis for Denver, uh, not just getting into their sets really quickly, but they were also pressuring the paint a lot. And it was great to see that this Nuggets team still has that gear in them when they want to. They worked hard to try to get the ball into the paint, and Barton was the biggest key to that. Uh, credit to him. He he absolutely deserves it. But the scary moment late where he, I think he passed the ball or, or lost control of the ball, stumbled a little bit, got tripped up, and then his neck and, and the top of his head went straight into Yusuf Nurkic's knee. And it was a pretty scary moment because he was down and immobile and it appeared unconscious for a couple minutes there. And uh, the entire arena was just aghast uh, because it looked really bad when he when he crumpled to the floor. Uh, it looked like a major neck injury. Thankfully, it doesn't look like it was because he got up, walked off under his own power to a bunch of cheers. Um, he went back, was cleared by the doctors, and came back out and sat on the bench again. So hopefully it's nothing major. Hopefully it's nothing too bad. But this was a really good game for Will Barton. I hope that he can build upon this performance. It's been a while since he shot over 50% from the field, or even 50%. So seeing him shoot some of the the shots that he did tonight, uh, both driving to the rim, but also he had a a stare down of Yusuf Nurkic on an isolation in the corner where right in front of the Blazers bench, he stared him down and shot a three right in his eye on a switch. That was pretty cool. That was the old thrill that we've been wanting to see. Hopefully he continues to play with aggression 
Hopefully he continues to try to get downhill. That is the best version of Will Barton, I think. Um, Nikola Jokic, not even the story tonight in any way, shape, or form. Uh, though he did have a couple tiger dunks, did have a couple uh, rim-grazing dunks that were considered posters for sure. Uh, he caught a body tonight. It was really cool. Uh, Nasir Little, I'm pretty sure, was the guy that he dunked on. And I think he's dunked on Nasir Little before, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but either way, 20 points on 10 shots for Joker in 28 minutes. Uh, 8 of 10, 1 of 2 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 blocks, 3 turnovers, but not really a big deal. Was a plus 18 tonight, let all starters. Uh, he was great. He was driving the bus in a lot of different ways, but it wasn't a strenuous game for him because the Blazers, let's just face it, they suck. This was the Blazers C team that they were facing and in the starting lineup. Sure, Yusuf Nurkic was there, but Jokic has shown that he can torch Nurkic at any point. Uh, But the other starters were Robert Covington. Okay. Nasir Little, eh, young guy, still developing, but pretty good. Dennis Smith Jr., uh, not great. Ben McLemore, eh, not great. Each of those guys had good games, but they don't give you the fear that a Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum would give you, or or, uh, even Anthony Simons, who's been playing really well for the Blazers. None of those guys were healthy. I think that really contributed to some of Denver's success tonight, but definitely not going to like blame Denver for like, oh, oh, you wait until this time to to get a 32-point victory. Yeah, you should win by 32 when the other team is as injured as they are. And it's good that Denver delivered on that for sure. Um, Aaron Gordon also pretty good tonight. Not a not a really strong Aaron Gordon game, but uh, sometimes he played pretty well. Sometimes he didn't. He gave a, away a lot of opportunities in the paint to Jeff Green, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic, kind of on the perimeter a little bit again tonight, but still managed to cobble together five points on five shots, eight rebounds, four assists, one block. Uh, was a plus 12, so he was a part of things. Didn't think this was his best defensive game, but I also don't care. Like, he was fine. He was, this was not the game where you needed him to stand out uh, because Jeff Green, Will Barton, Nicole Jokic really carried the day for, for Denver's starting unit. And then Monte Morris, 22 minutes for him, nine points, two of five, all of them threes, including a three-shot foul that he had. So he was really hunting the three-point shot tonight as opposed to trying to get into the teeth of the defense. That was Will Barton's job, and, and Will Barton did it well. Monte kind of became the de facto shooting guard, and that's fine. That's that's definitely okay that they have enough versatility that they can mix and match those roles a little bit because it really took advantage of those guys' best strengths. And so this is why Monte Morris is very valuable. He can kind of go back and forth between those roles. Sometimes you want him to be the traditional point guard type, but sometimes you want him to just be off ball and shoot threes. And he hit 40% of his shots tonight, in addition to a three-shot foul that that got him an extra three free throws. So perfectly fine. No big deal. Uh, Didn't really defend Dennis Smith Jr. that well, I thought, but on a night like tonight, that is a a, uh, uh, really, really trying to critique somebody or or trying to nibble at them a little bit. Like, uh, you guys know what I mean. I, I don't even know what I mean, but Either way, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get to the big story tonight, which was the bench unit and how they played together, including uh, my arch nemesis, Faku Kambazo. We'll be right back. 
right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Continues to grow every day, uh, continuing to prove to the powers that be that that this has been a, a good, successful podcast for me. This is my 188th uh, Pickaxe and Roll episode, which is pretty cool. All right, let's talk about the bench and, and the five-man unit that Denver used tonight. Uh, Jeff Green rotating in. He played the power forward spot next to Zeke Naji. And then you had Faku Compazzo at point, Bones Highland at shooting guard, and Austin Rivers at, at small forward. And I thought this was a really strong game from the bench for a number of reasons, but mostly because everybody excelled in their role uh, to the maximum ability. And I, it, was it easier because they played against Trendon Watford, Tony Snell, Kelgen Blevins, and CJ Ellerby? Yes. Yes, it was. That is something that was definitely true. Uh, but I'm also not going to berate them for that. I think that they, they deserve credit for playing well when they did. Uh, Jeff Green specifically, he really opens up a lot on the pick and roll when he and Faku Campazzo specifically are taking advantage of a spaced floor. And they can take advantage of a spaced floor when the others are hitting shots. But the, the process is really important on this. It all starts with Faku. It starts with Faku when he gets downhill, when he gets into the teeth of the defense, becomes a threat uh, both to shoot off the ball uh, as well as to take shots when he has the ball in his hands. When he becomes a threat and gets past the first level of defense, that's when he becomes the most dangerous. And I thought that that was pretty well uh, well shown tonight. 18 points for him, 12 assists, 4 steals, 3 turnovers. This was fantastic. A 4-1 to one assist to turnover ratio for Faku Campazzo. 18 points, led the bench in scoring. Uh, a masterful performance. Like, let's let's be frank. This was a great Faku game. Am I still going to quibble at various things that happen when he's out there? Of course. Like, I mean, and every every player has their own little things, I think, that kind of nag at some people. Like, I, I, for, for example, uh, Bones Highland. I don't think that he goes up strong enough when he's around the rim. I think that he floats around. I think that he fades. I think that he double clutches a lot, and when when he starts to learn that his length is going to be able to get him some open shots when he starts to be willing to take a floater, if he's more decisive, he'll be better in those situations, but that's just a, a detail thing. With Faku, it's when he doesn't get downhill. When he doesn't cross the free throw line or doesn't get into the interior of the defense, I think he becomes a much worse player. I think he becomes more limited in how he performs. Tonight, he was really good at getting into the lane, finding the open space, and becoming just enough of a threat by himself as a shooter and scorer that he was able to open up all of those opportunities for the rest of his teammates. Now, to be fair, they also hit their shots tonight. They hit a lot of shots. Like, Bones Highland hits five threes. Marcus Howard comes off the bench, hits a three. Zeke Naji hits a three. Um, Austin Rivers hit three of seven 
Davon Reed was one of one. When those guys hit threes, it makes the traditional ball handler look better. That's how it's always going to be. Denver's been in a situation where their bench has not played well. They haven't shot the ball well. I don't know if the the passes have been as crisp in their road games over these last couple against OKC, against uh, the Clippers, as they were tonight. But in person tonight, Faka was putting on a show. He was fantastic. He deserves the flowers. He absolutely deserves the credit. And so I'm going to give it to him, despite what, what people online will say. Um, the nutmeg that he had tonight, actually, he had two nutmegs, maybe, maybe more. Um, but the one that he had in transition, where he got the steal, somebody tried to stop him in the backcourt while he was trying to get out in transition. And then he put the ball between their legs. Uh, that was very Manu Ginobili-esque, if you know what I mean. Uh, Manu was very creative with the basketball. Faku was just the same way. Um, Bones did not make the three, the, the resulting three off of that. And that's too bad. But still a great highlight. He also had a nutmeg, I'm pretty sure, for... Was it a Jokic and one? I, I, I can't remember the other place. Sometimes it's harder to track when it's live. Uh, when you're when you're in the building, but uh, he was great. I mean, f- let's be fa- let's face it. This game and the Houston game were top were Faku's two best games of his NBA career, I think, at least from a statistical standpoint. And the good thing is, is that the plus minus backs it up, so so you know it's a good game now. All right, Bones Highland, uh, he deserves a lot of praise as well. Has been shooting really poorly in previous games, but tonight. He gets a lot of credit. He actually led the team in plus minus. Of course, he was out there for the bludgeoning that was taking place at the end of the game, too. So that definitely helps. Uh, But he was great. He was fantastic. 17 points on 12 shots. Five of eight from the three-point line. uh, Four rebounds, three assists. Did have three turnovers. But you want him to play aggressively. You want him to play downhill. That is a very important piece of this. Um... I hope that he continues to try that. I hope that he continues to play downhill. Because when he does, when he gets into the teeth of the defense, just like Faku, he finds these other opportunities around the rim that when help comes, he sees the court pretty well. He dished it out to Zeke Nash. He's only three on the evening. Um, And he found him for that open shot because he was around the rim and because Zeke Nash's defender turned his head for just a minute. Uh, good offensive game from Bones, a better defensive game than he's had in the past as well. Uh, my colleague Adam Morris has, has been very strong and adamant in his prediction that over the six-game homestand is where Bones turns it around a little bit, where he finds that rhythm. I certainly hope so, because he absolutely is so essential to this team. Even when Jamal Murray comes back, there are going to be times where the team needs Bones Highland to give them a lift. And tonight was a great example of what happens to the building when he gets that lift, when he when he puts the team on his back for a couple of impressive threes, for sure. Uh, the first step back three that he had, very reminiscent of uh, James Harden. It was almost like a double step back. Uh, but it, it got uh, Matt Moore next to me. It got TJ on my other side. Uh Got us up, uh, not on our feet or anything, but we were like, whoa, that was pretty cool. That was pretty impressive uh, because those are the kinds of moments that stick out to you as a rookie that if you can do those, 
and do it consistently, then you're going to be in this league for a long time. Uh, so hopefully they manage that. Um, let's talk about Zeke Naji now. Let's talk about Zeke Naji. Sorry, the, the cat decided he wanted to be my friend uh, right now. Um, Zeke Naji. He was great tonight. He got the defensive player of the game chain from Michael Malone and definitely deserved it. I thought that this was a great example of a game where having a switching five, somebody who can get out onto the opposing team's ball handlers, match them pace for pace, uh, step for step, and then give a really good contest, uh, that was a really good thing. And not only was Zeke Naji good on the switch, he was good everywhere. Uh, he had four offensive rebounds tonight. He got to the line and, and got an and one out of a, a nice interior pass from, uh, I think it was Bones, but it could have been Faku. Um, he had a three uh, off of that Bones delivery. Nine total rebounds, had a steal, was a plus 20 in his 22 minutes, 16 points on six of eight from the field, was very strong with the ball on the interior, and his shot chart looked great. It looked like the shot chart you want from somebody like him, where he against a team that is undersized, really tried to be the bigger player and really was. Uh, Denver out-rebounded Portland 40-34, to which that may not sound like a lot, but Denver made 13 more baskets than Portland did. Like, they they still managed to out-rebound them, and a lot of it came... Actually, no, I, I'm, I'm speaking gibberish. Uh, that's... Uh, take that out. Take that out. Uh, either way. The bench was really good, and they were really connected. And, and Jeff Green's chemistry with Zeke Naji, uh, as well as Zeke Naji's chemistry with Aaron Gordon, that was on display tonight. I thought he looked really good in those moments. And when you have somebody like Zeke who you can go to, it means that you don't have to play Jeff Green 30 minutes a game going forward. You might be able to give Zeke Naji a little bit of extra run as he continues to deserve it. So... We'll just have to see how that develops. But lastly, Austin Rivers, fantastic tonight. Uh, well, not fantastic. I mean, he he made three of seven threes. And he didn't force the other shots. He had one turnover where he tried to drive into the middle of the defense and lost the handle. But nine points, three of seven from three. A lot of those, I think all of those threes actually were off of Faku passes where he found him in the corner. And then Austin Rivers had a, a nice catch and shoot three. And, that's what you need from that spot. You don't need a lot of creation. You just need somebody who's going to hit shots. And I think in future games, you might want somebody a little bit bigger at that spot, at that three. Um, but for now, against a team like Portland, where they don't have a, a small forward that's actually going to hurt you, uh, Oscar Nervous playing the three was definitely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Glad that he got that three to go. Looked very timid in the previous game. So got to see the confidence really work. And then uh, finally here, uh, Davon Reed was on the floor. Marcus Howard was on the floor. That was really cool to see. He, I thought that his season was over when he uh, crumpled against, I think it was the Milwaukee Bucks. If I'm not, I, I could be wrong about the team, but the game that he went out um, about four weeks ago, it looked like his season was done. It looked really gruesome. And for him to be back just four weeks later, even when the initial timeline was closer to six to eight weeks, uh, that's what we all expected. And him showing up as questionable yesterday, that was definitely a an indicator that he was going to play. 
Uh, but it was surprising. It was very, very shocking. And I am glad that it happened. I am absolutely glad because uh, Denver needed some positivity. They needed somebody to kind of bring back some energy. It was cool to see him hit a three tonight as well. Uh, nothing major, nothing nothing too big. But if they ever have some struggles with Bones or Faku or Austin Rivers or anybody like that, now you know that you can go to Marcus Howard and he will at least get buckets. That much is certain. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the odds and ends uh, of this game, but also kind of what the rest of the weekend looks like. We'll be right back. and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, let's do odds and ends right now. And uh, I want to start really briefly here. Uh, the bull bull trade, null and void. Uh, that is that is off the table now. And the Nuggets, they're in a really interesting situation here where bull bull comes back to the team after both sides agreed to a trade. And, and the, the deal was called off because of bull bull's physical uh, Detroit apparently found something that they didn't like within that physical, and, and they decided that they didn't want to take that risk in this trade, despite the fact that it, it definitely seemed like they were, they were willing to do so. And, and for what I understand, uh, they, they probably should have done this deal. Um, I don't think that the health is as concerning with Bull Bull as Detroit seems to think is, is all I will say about that. Um, but either way, uh, you start off this six game homestand the right way. Denver has just played their 40th game. They are 21 and 19. So now no matter what in the next game, you're going to start and have your, like your, your first half of the season through 41 games. There are, there are 41 games on one side, 41 games on the other, no matter what Denver is going to be a plus 500 team in the first half of the season. And that's a pretty strong accomplishment. <laughs> like is a pretty strong indicator of, wh- of what Denver has had to go through, of what they've had to, to struggle with. And the strength of schedule has been really tough for the Nuggets. They've had to go through bumps and bruises along the way, including major injury to multiple of their guys. Like think about it. Michael Porter has played nine games this year. Uh, out for 31. Jamal Murray's out for 40 so far. So between the two of them, they've missed 71 out of a combined possible 80 games, 80 appearances. That's for your second and third best player. And so Jokic just had to work with both of his hands strapped behind his back, and, and they've, they've still made it work, at least to a point where you can still call them a six seed. They're not in a play-in situation. They're still okay. Um, and that's great. That's, that is a good sign for what is to come. Uh, starting off this,
And that is a really good sign for what is to come, that, th- that Denver has just weathered the season so far. They've been through hell. They've had to make things work. And they've still done it. They've, st- they've still gotten to a point where they're now in the midst of a homestand. And Will Barton, though he was, it was a pretty scary sight today, uh, is back and healthy and, and looks pretty good. Aaron Gordon looks good. Jeff Green looks good. Nikola Jokic looks good. Like like the the foundations of what has made Denver so good this year are still there. And they're going to take that into this homestand and hopefully take advantage of it. And this is a really tough homestand because you've got games like against the Lakers on Saturday and the Jazz on Sunday in a back-to-back that are going to be tough. And despite the Lakers not being necessarily the toughest opponent – they have a really tough matchup for Denver where LeBron James is going to be in town. And the way that he plays and the way that they they may decide to go to LeBron at center, uh, that's going to be a unique wrinkle for the Nuggets where they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, will they be able to? Are they going to be able to avoid foul trouble? Is Jokic going to be in a situation where he can punish them on the opposing end? I don't know. But... Denver has shown that they are up to the task. They have shown that they are capable. And it really did feel like just kind of the vibe from the beginning of the presser that Michael Malone had uh, pregame, where it it wasn't even postgame after they had won by 32. Uh, Pregame, Michael Malone was in a good mood. He cracked the joke at Matt Moore's expense. Uh, He was very uh, comfortable and willing to talk about some of Denver's struggles uh, from a more positive way, I thought. And and I had a problem with the way that he addressed the players on Wednesday night, or not Wednesday, Tuesday night. I thought that he reamed them a little bit too hard. I thought that he uh, didn't necessarily approach that from the healthiest perspective. And I think that the the energy of the moment of blowing a 25-point lead was definitely fresh on his brain. And he wouldn't have said some of the things that he did had he been a little bit calmer. But he walked, not not necessarily walked it back, but I thought he got back to a good place of delivering good, solid information, good quotes in this presser. And I hesitate to call this like, like Michael Malone calling this particular game a moment for them, even pregame, but it seemed like he was on the precipice of that, where he could sense that there was a change in the team, that they had to change something, that they had reached a brick wall and they either had to run through it doing the same thing that they were doing, or they had to find a way to get around it. They had to find a way to change what they were doing in order to survive. And, And I do think that they've found that. Telling the team that they hadn't won a second half since December, or not December even, like December 4th, uh, that was a big deal. I think that was a big turning point. Uh, multiple players referenced that in their post games today. Where hearing that stat and hearing what had happened and how they had been losing games was a big deal for the team. So I, I hesitate to call this a spark, a turning point, a season-defining game, a get-right win, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't want to get a too far ahead because we've seen this happen before. We've seen them fall apart even after they've had really good performances and sometimes in the same game, clearly. But I asked Michael Malone about this. I asked him what he wanted to take with him from this game and and utilize going forward. 
And he said the consistency. He said that the the performance in the second half, the way that Denver attacked, he wanted them to continue utilizing uh, that mentality and that's execution going forward. And that if there, if there was one thing that he wanted to hold on to from this, it wasn't necessarily the rebounding. It wasn't the shooting. It was just how Denver played and the consistency with the effort and the execution that they had. And, and I agree with him. I think that for a team like Denver, that is down as many talented players as they are. When you don't have your rock in Jamal Murray, you don't have your firecracker in, in Michael Porter Jr., you need something solid. You need a new rock. And, and Nikola Jokic has obviously been that. He's been delivering every single time. But they need a foundation upon which they can stand. And I think that they found it a little bit. It's it's pushing the pace just a little bit, getting it up over 100. They, they usually sit at around 98, uh, getting the pace a little bit higher, attacking sets a little bit earlier than just waiting for the clock to run down to 10. It's better for Denver to play faster and get into the flow of their offense quicker and move the ball, cut, screen, shoot, drive the lane, get into the teeth of the defense, find the open opportunities. That should be their identity. It hasn't been yet. Are they capable of sustaining this? I don't know. I I think they are. I don't think that this was just a we are facing the Portland Trailblazers C team moment. I think that there was some definite turning point in the mentality of the team. This was Denver's first real blowout, at least from like Dallas in the beginning of the year. That was like game five. It's insane. So the fact that Denver was able to kind of get back to those roots, cater to the crowd a little bit, play with pace, play with energy, and perform. Uh, it says a lot. So I'm glad that they were able to do it. I, I think that they are in a spot where, where this six-game homestand, it's going to make or break them. They're either going to take advantage of the opportunity that they're playing well right now amongst a lot of teams that aren't playing well that might be more talented than them, or uh, they're going to falter. They're going to get out of their rhythm. They're going to be driven away from it and not play the way that they should. And that could lead to some losses that probably shouldn't be on this calendar. So we're going to have to see. Uh, we're going to have to figure it out. But I am very curious to see how they approach Saturday's game against the Lakers. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, final thing before we go. I want to address a, a thing that I talked about on Twitter earlier today. Uh, the Faku Composo uh, embargo that I am putting on my own Twitter account. Uh, I think that's going to go into effect. And I I referenced his game. to I, I said that Faku had a game tonight. I kind of broke my promise that I wasn't going to talk about him anymore on Twitter. Um, but I just think that he is objectively a role player who has been championed by an entire country. And that is okay. It is okay for... Uh, countries to get behind their countrymen, for a player to have that uh, backdrop behind them. Um, it's not really okay to be attacking people uh, for their physical appearance or for like 
make just anything that when I'm just trying to do my job. And so that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but, um, but I do think that I understand why Faku fans are upset with me. I try to boil it down to the cold, hard facts. That's why I reference numbers a lot. Because when I just say things, when I just say Faku didn't play well, and then people are like, well, yes, he did. Look at the highlights. Look at what he did. Look at how he played. Look at the passes that he threw. And it's hard to argue with that. It really is because I think Faku's game is pretty aesthetically pleasing. The way that he passes the ball, the energy that he plays with, fans love to support him as they should. But we've seen countless times that the energy player isn't necessarily the best player isn't necessarily the most efficient player. But he was tonight. He was very, very good. The way that he played the game, the way that he approached things, and the pace at which he played with tonight was excellent. I want to reiterate that, was excellent. It's one of his best games of the year, and he deserves that credit. Um, am I also keeping a folder of all the hate comments and the, the ones that are trashing my physical appearance? Yes, I, I am also doing that for my, for my own personal sanity. So I don't have to see it any more than just the, uh, when I, when I need some motivation at the gym or something like that. Um, but I do think people like, I, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about Faku on the timeline. I don't think it does anybody any good right now to just, uh, to just try to be as polarizing as I, as I have been over the course of these last few days, because it has been a journey in in the DMs, in the mentions, everything like that. So I'm going to turn those off. I, I think that's it's probably the right call for everybody too. So is what it is. Um, but either way, I do not hate Faku. I do not think that he's a bad player. I just don't, just don't know if he's the right player for the Nuggets right now. And on a game like tonight, he was. Where Denver needed the energy, the pace, and they're playing a pretty bad team. We've seen this song and dance before. He played pretty well against Sacramento, played pretty well against Houston, didn't play well against OKC, and I think that's because of the strength of their backcourt. But I still think there is a place on the roster for Faku Kambaza. He has a role. I'm not sure it's an everyday role when the Nuggets are all healthy, and I'm not sure when the playoffs roll around that he isn't playing at all. But I hope that... Faku fans can forgive me that despite the fact that I, I try to be as objective as possible, sometimes the the hate comments get to me a little bit and I, I feel a little bit of subjective stuff when it comes to Faku, but it's not because of him. It's really not. So I just wanted to mention that at the end here. Um, either way, we will be back on Monday, or not not Monday, Sunday. Uh, the Nuggets are playing Saturday night. I will have a podcast up after that game. The dreaded Lakers, LeBron James, a worn down Russell Westbrook, uh, not Anthony Davis. We will see what they can do. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support wherever it comes from. Thank you so much. Uh, We will be back, as I mentioned, Sunday. So keep that in mind. I'll talk to you guys right then.
The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.